You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. On today's show, Gus Malzahn fired despite finishing 6-4 and four on the season with a road win over Mississippi State. The eighth-year coach is out. We will discuss the fallout. Also, who does Auburn have their sights set on to be the next head coach? We will talk with Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn to find out who the top candidates are. And also, we will hit on the top 10 stories from the weekend in the SEC. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day, five days a week. All right, we start with our top 10 stories from the weekend in the SEC. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch. Around the conference. Number one, Gus Malzahn fired. Finishes his career at Auburn going 68 and 35 overall. Statement from Auburn Athletic Director Alan Green, quote, after evaluating the state of the Auburn football program, we decided it was time to make a change in leadership. We appreciate everything that Gus did for the program over his last eight seasons. We will begin a search immediately for a coach that can help the Auburn program consistently compete at the highest level. Malzahn was in year three of a seven-year, $49 million contract. He made close to $7 million a year, according to AL.com. The buyout is around $21.5 million. And as Stephen Godfrey reports, the real number is $10.5 million, which is the amount due within 30 days. And according to Stephen Godfrey, Auburn's people have had that money ready to go for months. Candidates rumored about. Steve Sarkeesian's name has come out there. I can't think Alabama or Nick Saban would let that happen. Mario Cristobal at Oregon. His name came out, but reports are now that Oregon is working on an extension with him. Hugh Freeze, who just signed a six-year extension at Liberty. And Lane Kiffin's name came out. But, look, normally that doesn't happen. You don't change from interconference school to interconference school. But if anybody was going to do that, Lane Kiffin would certainly be somebody who would. K.J. Britt from Auburn tweeted out that he realized this year a lot of coaches just care about their money and not the players, but he said, find another college coach to care about their players as much as Gus Malzahn did, and I will be a fan. It's bigger than a record. It's more than a locker room. Uh, It's more in a locker room than a record. That's from K.J. Britt. Uh, Brandon Marcello from 27 Sports tweeted out that several people close to Auburn were shocked by the news and said, It was considered 60-40 whether he would even be fired on Saturday, but the timing does make sense right now as it sounds like both Tennessee and Texas are not going to be making coaching changes. Those are two huge jobs, and so Auburn should be the biggest job opening this offseason. Never say never. There could be something else that comes along, but we'll discuss more on Malzahn in just a bit. We'll catch up with Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn and find out from him who the latest names are for candidates for the Auburn job. McPherson, readies, waiting on the snap. Placement is down. Kick is up. It's on its way, and this kick is no good! Tigers win! Tigers win! They explode up the far sideline. And number six, 
goes down tonight at home in Gainesville. 37-34, LSU is the winner. Number two, LSU upsets Florida in the swamp. All we heard all last week was the LSU football program is in disarray. Guys are leaving. Players are sitting out. Coach O has lost this team just 11 months removed from winning a national championship. But pump the brakes on that, folks, as the Tigers go into Gainesville as 24-point underdogs and upset top 10 Florida in the swamp. One of the Heisman favorites, Kyle Trask, just made some huge mistakes in this one. Not one, but two interceptions, a lost fumble. He did throw for over 470 yards and two touchdowns and rushed for two. He did uh, pass Danny Werfel for the most single-season touchdown passes in school history in a season with 40. But the real donkey of the night for Florida, DB Marco Wilson, with the game tied at 34, under two minutes to go. LSU's Max Johnson throws a dump off to tight end Cole Taylor on third and 10. He'd be tackled after just a four-yard gain as Marco Wilson would make the tackle, grabbing him by the foot. Taylor's shoe would come off in Wilson's hands. And just as it looked like LSU is going to be punting and Florida's going to have a chance to go and win the game, Wilson inexplicably throws the shoe across the field, drawing an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, giving LSU a fresh set of downs. The Tigers would go down, kick a 57-yard field goal to take the lead. Florida's Evan McPherson had a chance to tie it as time expired, but his 51-yarder would miss, and LSU pulls off the upset of Florida basically eliminating any chance of the Gators to make the playoff. Even if they could somehow, someway beat Alabama this week, win the SEC title, with two losses, they're just most likely out of the playoff hunt. And what should anger Gator fans even more is the fact Todd Grantham's defense has just underachieved so much this year. They were facing a true freshman quarterback in LSU, making his first career start, and the Gators allowed over 400 yards of offense to the Tigers, didn't force any turnovers, and... There will be some big questions for Grantham moving forward with that Florida defense. For LSU, a positive to move forward. They are 4-0 this season when they run rush for over 100 yards. They're 0-5 when they don't. So I will bet they will definitely be trying to establish the run this week against Ole Miss. Smith will look at this one. He'll make the grab at the 17. He'll cut it back across midfield. Across the midfield stripe. It's a foot race, and I'll always put my money on him. Devontae Smith to the house. Touchdown, Alabama, and the Tide leads it 9-3. What a moment there for Bama. They uh, roll Arkansas for a record 10th SEC win in a season. Alabama becomes the only team in SEC history to win 10 conference games in a year. Obviously, unique circumstances even allowed them to play that many conference games in a year, but nonetheless, it is impressive to say. In Alabama's last six games, that Bama defense has allowed an average of just over eight points per game. They've allowed no more than 17 points in any game in that stretch, and they have produced 21 sacks, three defensive touchdowns, 12 takeaways, which include the eight sacks and four takeaways they had Saturday against Arkansas. That was the most sacks in a game for Alabama since 2015 against Mississippi State. Look, this Bama defense is on fire as of late, ready to take on Florida. Arkansas, they just could not do much on offense. They had just 188 total yards of offense in the game. But for Bama, Najee Harris, he had two rushing touchdowns to bring his season total to 22. That gives him 42 on his career. He ties Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram for the most rushing touchdowns in Alabama history. Both those other guys went on to win the Heisman. Unfortunately, Najee will likely not. Speaking of Heisman, though, Devontae Smith, kind of a quiet day for him, just three catches for 22 yards, but he did have 
an 84-yard punt return for a touchdown, the first of his career. And just another thing to put on his resume in the Heisman race. Saban said yesterday, Alabama inside linebacker Christian Harris has a chance to play this Saturday in the SEC title game following a shoulder injury he suffered on Saturday. Third and 10 for the Dogs now on the Tiger 31. Two receivers to the right, Pickens, the wide out there, and Jackson's in the slot. We've got Burton and McKitty on the left side. McKitty slides into the slot on the near side. Daniels, snap, throw, pick and slant, caught, 20, 15, 10, to the end zone. Touchdown, George Pickens. He's having a day. Number four, Georgia, one of the hottest teams in the country. Coming into this game in Columbia, Missouri on Saturday, I really thought Mizzou had a chance to compete with Georgia, maybe even pull off an upset. And with two minutes to go until halftime, this one was tied at 14. My prediction looked pretty good. But JT Daniels takes the dogs right down the field for a George Pickens touchdown pass to make it 21-14 dogs at the half. Still, Mizzou is in this one. But then the second half happens, and it was all Georgia. As they route Mizzou 49-14. They've now won seven straight games against Mizzou. Georgia just been a different team since JT Daniels has taken over at quarterback. He finished the day with 300 yards passing and three touchdowns, while Samir White, Edwards, McIntosh, Cook, all of them combined to rush for over 300 yards on the ground. And Georgia will now finish things off with Vandy this week. But good luck to whoever gets these guys in a bowl game because Georgia is red hot, and they are really setting the tone if they can bring back a lot of these guys for next season, namely JT Daniels, some of the receivers and running backs. It'll be a scary good team next year. All right, quick break. Coming up next, we're going to talk all about the Gus Malzahn firing and who some potential candidates are with Locked On Auburn host Zach Blackerby. We'll get to the rest of our top 10 takeaways in segment three. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Hope you had a weekend filled with drinking Coors Light, relaxing, and watching football. You know that's what I do every single Saturday. We only got one more Saturday left of it as far as the SEC goes. But make sure you've got your fridge stocked up and ready to go with some Coors Light for this Saturday. We're actually moving, and the first order of business I said was, all right, we got the furniture loaded, uh, we got the moving truck coming, we got all that scheduled. Oh, make sure the the fridge at the new house is stocked up with Coors Light. We absolutely have have to have that ready to go. It's mountain cold refreshment. It's cold lagered. It's cold filtered, cold packaged, literally made to chill. And you know it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. When you see those blue mountains on the side, you know it is ice-cold action. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you guys want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. It is Coors Light. And you can get them in their new-look cans delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And when you drink Coors Light, remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, tomorrow on Locked on SEC, we'll start discussing the SEC championship game. We'll be joined by Byron Hatch from the SEC office to get his thoughts on the changes this year hosting a championship game during a pandemic. That's tomorrow on Locked on SEC. Locked on SEC, rolling along here, and man, still kind of shocked by the news of the weekend or the news on Sunday that Gus Melzahn fired at Auburn, the third SEC coach to be fired, and just the way things have been going the last couple weeks, didn't see that one coming, and uh, join us now is a guy who's equally as shocked, a guy who hosts Locked on Auburn. He is Zach Blackerby. Zach, um... On a scale of 1 to 10, how shocked were you by the news Gus Melzahn out as head coach at Auburn? 
man, it's up there, eight or nine. You know, I'm relaxing on the Sunday afternoon watching NFL Red Zone. Andrew Siciliano switching from the Cardinals game to some other game, and he's like, hey, just a quick bit of sports news, college football news. Gus Malzahn has been fired from Auburn. I'm like, what? And then, you know, I checked, and, you know, my phone starts blowing up, and, you know, the rest of this very – what I thought was going to be a, re- a relaxing Sunday turned very chaotic. A lot of people trying to figure out what the what's going on. How shocked was I, though? I mean, it's an eight or a nine. I did not see this coming, especially with the way they – I mean, they ended up winning the game against Mississippi State. They didn't look good. It was a very sloppy football game, but I thought just a win would be enough um, to keep them there. But um, Alan Green, uh, Auburn's – I say new, but a new-ish athletics director. I mean, this is the biggest decision he's made. It's not even close. So it's going to be really interesting to see who they go after. You know, um, a lot of um, a lot of opinions out there. You know, a lot of frustrations have been about whenever Auburn looks for a new coach, they have to get a guy that's worked at Auburn before. And a lot of kind of a lot of feelings now with Alan Green there. It's actually a true national coaching search. So it's going to be interesting to see the similarities and uh, differences with how he handles that versus how Jay Jacobs handled it eight years ago. Well, we're going to get into, uh, you know, candidates and all that in just a second. But um, I, I have to wonder, Zach, because you mentioned, I mean, they, they beat Mississippi State. They win by 14. It, it wasn't uh-huh. it wasn't a pretty game, but it's a convincing win. I feel like this is a decision that maybe was made a few weeks ago. I mean, we talk about the blowout loss to Alabama. Look, you didn't expect them to win that game, but you expected them to put up a fight. It's the Iron Bowl. It should be a more uh, a close rivalry game. And then to lose like they did against Texas A&M, a game that a lot of people thought they had a chance to maybe pull off that upset with it being at home. You think maybe this was a decision made a couple weeks ago and not so much a reaction to what happened this weekend? I think it was made after the A&M game. Uh, if, if you want my honest truth. And the reason I say that was because, I mean, a lot of people told me, like, it's done. It does, And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't you just do it? Why wouldn't you just fire him after the A&M game? Because what if he goes out and, you know, beats State, you know, 42 to nothing or something like that? Now, obviously that didn't happen, but it's like, if you knew you were going to do it, why wouldn't you? And then the response was, well, Auburn President Jay Googe has this policy where he doesn't fire coaches until the end of the season. So I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I, I just didn't buy it, Chris. I didn't buy the, you know, I, I didn't buy the, you know, the the, the the writing was on the wall and I just kind of overlooked it. I'm like, there's no way they could fire this guy. I mean, you can look at stats and you can look at, you know, kind of compare, you know, the SEC he's going up against versus what Die had to do and what Tuberville had to do. And it's like, you can make the case that Malzahn's the best coach that Auburn's ever had. You can make that argument. Yeah. Now, it, you know, the, you also can make it other ways too, but, um, I just didn't think it was going to happen, man. I'm, uh, I thought they were going to give him 2021. You know, I thought the, the timing for this roster and for the timing of, you know, the scheduling and all that was really set up for them to peak in 2021. You get Auburn, or you get Alabama and Georgia at home. Bo Nix is a junior. You've got a great offensive line coming back. You found your bell cow guy with Hank Bixby. And, uh, I mean, the defense looks to be pretty good. I don't think they're going to lose a whole lot um, as far as key guys there. And it's just, I really thought they were going to give him another year, but yeah, he's um, he's out at Auburn now. So a lot of a uh, lot of fun conversations over the next week or so. How much do you think? And again, this wasn't the reason, but how much do you think him hiring Chad Morris as the offense coordinator this year? Obviously, it didn't didn't go great. We saw maybe a regression from Bo Nix uh, this year, the reigning freshman of the year, expecting him to take that next step. He never did. 
Uh, how how much, or, or let's just say, how bad of a decision was that by Gus to bring in Chad Morris? Yeah, I mean, at the time, all offseason, we, you know, we were so pumped about talking about this guy and just, you know, what kind of offense were we going to see with this? He got fired because of the offense and how bad it was throughout this season, how inconsistent it was, and how just, like, all over the place, nothing made sense. They had no identity whatsoever. That's why he got fired. And, you know, going into it, he's like, Chad Morris is going to call the plate. And, Chad, I mean, it's Chad Morris's offense. I'm going to be involved, of course, is what he said, but it's Chad's offense. And he got fired because the offense was bad. So, yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that could have cost him his job. And that's the thing that Malzahn was so afraid of was giving other people control of his offense. And then eight years later, it's finally confirmed that, you know, he's, um, that he is giving away play-calling duties to his buddy, and that's kind of what causes his demise. It's kind of interesting when you look at it that way. You almost wonder about the South Carolina game. You know, they lose that one. Uh, you know, the, they're driving and have a chance to maybe score and go for two and tie it. But I look at it as the other three losses. You lost to Georgia. You lost A&M. You lost Alabama. That's three top ten teams. If they win yeah. the South Carolina game and they finish seven and three, I just don't know how you fire. I mean, six and four is, is still really good. But, like, right. like if they're seven and three, you can't fire a guy who goes seven and three. No, you're right. And that was kind of the chatter after the Iron Bowl. Is all, all these folks are like, he's done. If you can't compete with your rival, why are you even here? And I'm like, well, at that time, I thought I thought Auburn was going to beat A&M. Um, and so I'm like, I think they beat A&M. I think they get a, you know, a top ten win at home. I think that's big. And then you could beat Mississippi State. It's like you're 7-3 and three then. And you've got a, you know, a win over a top ten program or a top ten team this season. You can't let them go. Which kind of goes back to, you know, a lot of the folks kind of coming up and saying, like, hey, I think the decision's been made. And I'm like, there's no way. That doesn't make sense. But <laughs> it kind of does when you look back on it. So, yeah, I swung a miss on that one. Well, I, look, I had a recruiting guy on this past week from Rivals, and I was surprised to see, as I was running through all the SEC teams, how low Auburn is rated. Now, they don't have a lot of kids in this recruiting class, but – was that maybe part of it, too? They looked at it and said, he's not up there with the Alabamas, the Georgias, the LSUs as far as recruiting-wise right now. I mean, typically, Gus has been good at recruiting. Auburn has had top classes before, but it, I was just a little surprised to see the 2021 class. They were so far behind right now. Yeah, the eight years under Gus are the best eight years that Auburn's had recruiting. I mean, the talent that they're finally putting into the league is the best since, you know, maybe the prime of Tuberville, and it's even better. Um. Yeah, I mean, that stinks. You know, I kind of wonder why they didn't wait till after signing day, but you want to, you know, kind of establish things. You know, I guess you don't want to things disloyal to the kids or something like that. So I kind of get it. But yeah, last I checked, they're like 40th. Like they're behind Vanderbilt. Like, that's not good. And a lot of recruiting folks have come on the show and said, all right, there's three or four guys that are probably going to pick Auburn in the next few weeks and it's going to kind of change things. I'm like, okay, cool. But can those three or four guys get you back into like the top 15 where you need to be to compete? And it's like, probably not. Probably not. So that's a big deal. Yeah, that's definitely a big deal. And, you know, he's kind of been over the last really two or three seasons, you see all these other freshman studs, you know, kind of emerge across the SEC. And then going into last year, it's like, cool, Auburn fans feeling like they've got their own freshman stud that's finally going to play a quarterback, Bo Nix. And, like, he was fine. He was the best SEC freshman of the year, like you mentioned earlier, but it's just, his um, reluctance to play talented young guys outside of Bo Nix has been frustrating, and I'm sure he's been negatively recruited for that. And I'm sure, you know, 
if you're Georgia or Alabama or Clemson, which are the teams that he's recruiting against the most, it's just like, why would you pick Auburn out of those four schools based on, you know, do you want to compete? Okay. Do you want to get to the league? Okay. Do you want to play early? Okay. Well, you know, go to Alabama, Georgia, or, or Clemson. And now Florida's getting into the mix, and it's just it's, it's just been tough. And so I, I guess, the, you know, the powers that be in Auburn's athletics program, they felt like they needed a spark, they needed to change. And, I mean, it's risky, Chris. I, I, I don't think this is the right move. I, I think Malzahn is a solid head coach. And a lot of the names that, you know, that are kind of on message boards and, you know, that, that you're hearing – um, kind of through the grapevine and just talking with folks in the athletics department, it's like, I don't know if those guys are better than Gus Malzahn. Well, well maybe they are, but I, I, I just, I, I'm skeptical, Chris. I, I don't really fully buy it. Talking with Zach Blackerby, locked on Auburn. Let's jump into it because I'm reading a lot of the names out there. You know, South Carolina wasted no time in, in their search. They quickly hired a. Uh, Shane Beamer and got their guy Vanderbilt is looking for their guy right now which by the way if I'm Vandy I'm calling Gus right now going hey man we'll come over here we can make things happen but of the names that are out there I'm seeing obviously uh, Jamie Chadwell who's had a great year at Coastal Carolina Billy Napier who just turned down the South Carolina job at at University of Louisiana maybe he might you know this is the big job he was waiting for Uh, he could be a name Um, Steve Sarkeesian what do you make of some of the names that are out there yeah, Steve Sarkeesian's interesting. I don't think Auburn will do it, but I think that'd be a really good fit. Um, you want a guy that could come in and compete with Nick Saban to beat Alabama. And uh, can Napier do that? I don't I don't know if he can. You know, I love Lane Kiffin. The idea of hiring Lane Kiffin, I think, makes a whole lot of sense to me, but that's not one that I've heard from relevant people. Um, I, I think the most common one is going to be Hugh Freeze. I think that's the leader in the clubhouse. You're seeing national writers tweet about it, you know, as soon as the news broke Sunday afternoon. I think he is the leader. If it's not him, I think Cristobal's got some uh, some actual, like, momentum behind that one as far as him possibly coming to Auburn. Um, and then if they do the whole thing where you've had to work at Auburn before and be the so-called Auburn man, it's Rhett Lashley, um, which is not an exciting hire at all, but that's just kind of one that's very – stereotypical Auburn in the past, but Auburn's biggest booster, Jimmy Rain, Yellowwood, we all know it, uh, <laughs> reportedly very high on Hugh Freeze. And so you got to think that money's going to be involved with this decision, the, you know, with the buyout. I mean, that was kind of the biggest, like, holdup of it all is Auburn going to pay, you know, $30 million to a guy during a global pandemic when they've had the worst budget year in, you know, the history of the program. And it's just, all right, I guess they are doing it. And so you got to think the guys with money are going to have even more say-so in all of this. And so if he's high on Hugh Freeze, assuming that's true, that's um, – I mean, I think it's a done deal at that point, right? So um, my guess is Hugh Freeze, Mario Cristobal, or Rhett Lashley. Those would be my three most likely. Not the ones I would go for and think would make the most sense, but I think those are the three that are most likely to happen. Then let me ask you, Zach Blackerby, the guy who follows Auburn, hopes Auburn does well, uh, if you had your pick. Who would be? Who would you want as the next Auburn head coach? Out of those three, or just anywhere? if you could have your pick of anybody that that would realistically be available, uh, I'd throw all the money at Lane Kiffin. I'd ask him <laughs> what would it take, and I, I, I would get Lane Kiffin. Just because, in my thought process there, and, and I don't hate the Sarkeesian pick either, but I think you're going to have to get someone that's extra motivated to beat Nick Saban. You're going to have to get somebody that can hang and recruit with him. You're going to have to get guys that know him and are able to negatively recruit him. And, got, you know, he knows Kirby Smart as well from their time at Alabama together. So I think that makes a whole lot of sense. He's familiar with the state. 
Uh, he's familiar with high school coaches and, you know, all of those, you know, that network of relationships. And I think he knows how to beat Nick. And I think he knows how to beat um, Kirby when it's uh, all said and done. And also, I think when you look at the top teams right now, last year it was, uh, it was chunk plays, explosive plays. This year it's pass the ball, passing the ball, passing the football. And he's going to have done an Ole Miss with really subpar SEC talent. And it's just like, give him Bo Nix and Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz. And I think this is the top offense in the SEC. So I think that would be uh, – those would be my two, is Tiffin and Sarkeesian. Yeah, I, I think Sarkeesian is the – it would be a safe move, but man, I to envision what Sark has done at Alabama. You give him Bo Nix, Tank Bigsby, all those weapons. Like I, I think he would absolutely. And then the the the, the Saban factor, right? I mean, who doesn't want to stick it to the guy that's been bossing you around for the past couple of years? So I think that would be big. Right. And the Napier one is one to watch because, like I said, I, I think we were a little surprised when Napier said no to South Carolina. Like, dude, you're at Louisiana. You just turned down South Carolina an SEC job. That made me think maybe something was guaranteed behind closed right. doors and hey yeah. waited out a couple weeks Auburn's gonna open so we'll see what happens there but my goodness 68 and 35 as a head coach in the SEC and that gets you fired that is unbelievable but Gus Melzon out at Auburn and talking all the latest on it our buddy Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn I assume the podcast all this week you'll be talking all things about this even more yeah, yeah, put an emergency podcast up Sunday afternoon, like 30 minutes after the news broke, so that was cool. Yeah, and we'll just kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure people will be chiming in on the, the podcast hotline with people that they want, and or, you know, we'll get a small group that'll say, you know, why it was a bad decision, and also basketball's bad, so we'll talk a little Bruce Pearl action as well. But yeah, I, I think we're going to talk a lot about who the next head coach will be, and uh, it's going to be fun. We haven't been able to do one of these in almost a decade, so it'll be kind of fun to go through the motions again. (laughs) Zach, great stuff, man. Thanks so much for the time. Thanks, Chris. Zach Blackerby there, locked on Auburn. More to come after this. Hey, a quick minute here for our friends at Built Bar. They're the best-tasting protein bar ever. We tell you this all the time. It's getting around those uh, Christmas holidays coming up, and you know you're going to be sitting on the couch. It's going to be cold outside. You're not going to want to be moving around a whole lot. You need to make some healthier choices when you're moving around the house, and I just reach for a Built Bar. It is 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors. I always tell you guys the cookies and cream, my personal favorite. They are bars covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, but they're great for the, either the health-conscious person if you're looking for something post-workout or you're just looking for something to sub in for those potato chips or whatever else you've been eating. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. The cookies and cream I mentioned have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams net carbs. Built Bar, go check them out right now at their website, BuiltBar.com. And when you find what you want, you're ready to check out, make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Hey, NBA fans, listen up. The Locked On NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcasts all this week, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. Make sure you tune in to the preview of whichever Locked On NBA team you subscribe to or subscribe simply to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, we want to jump back into it. We started with our uh, top 10 takeaways from the weekend across the SEC, and our thanks to Zach Blackerby for joining us there, giving us some insight into the Gus Malzahn firing. But let's jump right back into it. We'll start with number five from our takeaways from the weekend. Here's the kick. It is on the way. It is good. Sarah Fuller has become the first woman to score a point in a Power 5 college football game. And everybody comes out to congratulate number 32. History has been made. As serving as a kicker once again for Vanderbilt, Sarah Fuller kicked not one but two extra points for Vandy and it's lost to Tennessee on Saturday. After her first successful PAT, she came to the sideline, was greeted by high fives and a celebration following her historic kick. Referee Chris Garner even came over to hand her the football to keep as a memento as Sarah Fuller becomes the first woman to score in a Power 5 college football game. Really cool deal. The bad news for Vandy, well, they fall to 0-9, their worst start to a season in program history. Third and four picked off. Stepping in front is Bryce Thompson. Touchdown. Number six, Tennessee snaps their six-game losing streak. It was Tennessee's longest losing streak since 1988. It was now over with a W. As Jeremy Pruitt had planned, we saw a duo of quarterbacks for the Vols, both Harrison Bailey and J.T. Shrout. Each of them had two passing touchdowns apiece. They've become the first Tennessee players to throw for multiple touchdown passes in a game in the last 25 years. The Vols rushed for over 200 yards and route to beating Vandy 42-17. to it was as active as we've seen Tennessee's defense all season. They racked up two sacks, five tackles for a loss, the pick six, as you heard there. And now maybe Tennessee has a chance at an upset this week. They are hosting Texas A&M in Knoxville. Maybe they're playing with a little bit of confidence now. We'll see what team shows up. Obviously, A&M still trying to work their way into the playoff. I'm just saying don't count out the Vols from keeping it close. And who knows? Things go their way. Kellen Mond makes some mistakes. Maybe, just maybe, the balls could have a shot of an upset. Don't call me crazy. Number seven, Alabama and Florida prepare for the SEC title game. This is the most paired matchup in the history of the SEC championship. They have met ten times in the SEC title game. Georgia versus LSU, the second most paired uh, in the SEC title game history. Dan Mullen said that he expects Tight end Kyle Pitts to be able to play this Saturday. He sat out the LSU game on Saturday. Probably cost them that game. But uh, Kyle Pitts, obviously a force. And probably if we were ranking the best players in the SEC title game this Saturday, number one is Devontae Smith. You may go number two, Kyle Pitts. Najee Harris would be up there. Kyle Trask and Mac Jones certainly up there as well. But Kyle Pitts and Devontae Smith are both the straw that make the drinks go for both of their respectable teams. The early betting lines have Bama as a 17-point favorite. Preview more on this game throughout the week. Number eight, the Heisman race. Sure seems like it's either going to be Mac Jones or Devontae Smith's award at this point. Unless Kyle Trask has a big day, beats Alabama, seems like the Heisman Trophy is going to go to someone or in Crimson. Alabama... Didn't really find it necessary to try to pad Mac Jones' stats on Saturday. He threw for just 208 yards against Arkansas, the zero touchdowns. Just feels like Mac is in the driver's seat to me for the Heisman. It would either take this. It would either take a monster day from Devontae Smith, 
and an Alabama win, and certainly that's within the realm of possibility. Let's say Devontae Smith has 200 yards, two touchdowns, and Bama wins the SEC title game. Devontae Smith certainly have a shot. Or on the flip side, a Kyle Trask monster day and a Florida win for him to earn the trophy. But I feel like it, it sets up right now. If Mac Jones throws for, say, 300 yards, three touchdowns, and Bama wins the SEC championship, I think Mac Jones goes on to win the Heisman. But me personally, I still think Devontae Smith should probably win it. See what they do on Saturday. Number nine, Butch Jones gets the Arkansas State head coaching job. Arkansas State hired Butch Jones as his new head coach on Saturday, an opportunity the former Tennessee coach said he was thankful and humbled to be getting. Of course, Jones worked this season as a special assistant to Alabama head coach Nick Saban after spending the previous two seasons as an offensive analyst for the Tide. Jones said the time he spent with Saban was invaluable. He said, I got emotional in the locker room after the game as he went directly to the Arkansas State campus in Jonesboro, Arkansas, following Alabama's win at Arkansas on Saturday. Of course, Jones spent five seasons as coach of the Tennessee Volunteers, going 34-27, and though just 14-24 and in the SEC. If Butch Jones resurrects his career, has a really good season next year for Arkansas State, he might be a name that resurfaces again for a head coaching job in the SEC down the road. And number 10 from the weekend, Florida basketball star Keontae Johnson collapses during a game. He remained in critical but stable condition as of Sunday, one day after he collapsed during the Gators game against Florida State. The school announced he was still at Tallahassee Memorial Hospital Sunday morning. Gators coach Mike White, uh, associate AD for Sports Health Dave Werner, and Johnson's parents were all with him at the hospital. Florida AD Scott Strickland said the school's thankful for the care Johnson has received. If you didn't see it, the Gators were coming out of a timeout during Saturday's 83-71 loss to Florida State when Johnson collapsed on the court. He was given emergency medical attention, taken to the locker room. Before the incident, he had just finished an alley-oop on a pass. He was celebrating with his teammates, walking towards the sideline, and as the team broke its huddle, he just collapsed on the court. Players screamed toward the sideline for help. Crazy to see that happening. And we course wish him the best of luck and we'll continue to get into some more sec basketball talk in the uh coming days to weeks as uh, we shift our focus from football to basketball but obviously i thought that was worth mentioning and not uh not the most ideal of circumstances don't want to be talking that when it comes to college basketball all right that is just about going to do it for this edition of locked on sec i encourage you guys to join us tomorrow as we'll get into previewing some of the other SEC games this weekend, as well as the SEC Championship game. We'll also chat with Byron Hatch. He's the head of championships at the SEC office. We'll get you the info you need if you're attending the game, or if you're just curious, what's going to be different this year with the SEC Championship? Obviously, it's it's going to look different. If you're going, it's going to feel very different. But uh, real curious to talk with Byron to see what the SEC is doing uh, to get ready for the game this weekend. Obviously, Look, Florida and Alabama both have to take extreme careful steps to staying safe and not getting infected with the coronavirus and everything else because you got to have the game, right? I, I don't know what the contingency plan would be if you had an outbreak and we couldn't play the game on Saturday. I guess just declare co-SEC champions. I, I really don't know what they would do. Maybe we'll ask Byron Hatch tomorrow what, uh, what the SEC would plan to do. But that's coming tomorrow. On Locked On SEC, my thanks again to Zach Blackerby, Locked On Auburn host. 
subscribe to his podcast if you get a chance. Go check it out. He's going to be talking all things more on the fallout of Gus Malzahn's firing. I'm still shocked. I We knew Muschamp was on the hot seat. He got fired first. We knew Derek Mason was probably out. He got hot, fired second. I just did not think going 6-4, and four, Gus Malzahn would be out at Auburn. But here we are, and I'm sure Auburn's going to move quick with whoever their new head coach is. We'll break it all down for you here on Locked on SEC. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.